0: Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson, getting uh, settled in here in Arizona at the owners' meetings. Just got to my room an hour or so ago, having had a chance to chat with you about the exact gentry news, so I wanted to make sure we did that before any of the festivities take place here in Arizona. Um, as you can imagine, I'm kind of underwhelmed, but I understand it too. You know, uh, many of these podcasts, I've been hard on gentry, and my logic behind that is He's a good blocker. He's not a dominant blocker. He's a well below average receiver. Okay. Um, But I from what I understand, I've not seen the official details of this contract. I don't think they've been released. Sometimes that's because over the weekend or whatever. But several people told me it's a minimal deal. I mean, it's very, very cheap, which I would imagine, which I understand. So by that light, is he even guaranteed a roster spot? I would say he's got a very good chance to make the team, but guaranteed a roster spot. Who's to say? Um, I'm curious what the signing bonus is. But, so, he has, you know, they've developed this player. So, I know that doesn't matter, but you know a lot about him. He came from nowhere. I remember watching him as a rookie. He was a tall, gangly baby giraffe that got pushed around and couldn't keep his pads down and had no leverage, no power. And he certainly is not that anymore. So, I just pulled up the Steelers snap counts from last year. He played the 11th most offensive snaps, which you could extrapolate to saying he's the last starter of the 11. Yeah, kind, kind of. I mean, he played 577 snaps. So he played, you know, a very high percentage out of uh, over 1100. So, 1161 is how many snaps they played on offense. He played 577 of them. So, he is a borderline starter. As it was drawn up last, you know, last year. I think it should be noted the two players right behind him in snap counts are Chase Claypool and Mitch Trubisky. Well, we know their roles were cut short because of Pickett and the trade, you know. So that makes perfect sense too. Friermuth, probably not coincidentally, is right ahead of him. He Friarmouth only played appeared in 16 games and played 743 snaps. Gentry played in all 17 and played 577. So that's not a 50-50 split. I mean, Fryermuth is the guy and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was like a three game stretch there, including the one he missed where Friarmuth was really playing with a foot injury and borderline should not have been on the field. So I don't think this is anything close to a 50-50 timeshare. Uh, here's what NBC Sports says, and this is the only report I've been able to read so far. Gentry stays in Pittsburgh after starting three of the past four seasons as the team's number two tight end. Gentry's return reduces the chances of an every down roll for a third-year Pat, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. That's what I disagree with, with Gentry seeing a 50% snap share last year, as I mentioned. Doesn't change much for Fryermuth's targets. Uh, the Gentry re-signing likely rules out the Steelers adding a tight end in the draft. Um That's my qualms, obviously, is I absolutely want the Steelers to take advantage of this great tight end draft. I can't say it enough. I say it over and over to you guys. Now, I'll snoop around here while I'm in Arizona and get a better feel for this. But the way I interpret it is if you're going to play a lot more 12 personnel, one back, two tight end, two receivers, As they did with great success, Gentry being that second tight end post Claypool trade, I think you're much, much more apt to take, to keep four tight ends. And that could be the expense of a fullback because I think Connor Hayward isn't like the others. I think he's as much fullback as he is tight end. I think he's Kyle Yuschek. And the signing of a Landon Roberts, who played a lot of downhill banger fullback for the Patriots, might just mean you don't need a fullback on the roster. Or you could find a roster spot somewhere else, one less safety, whatever. So, if you're going to live, well, not live, but if you're going to have a higher percentage of 12 personnel, I think four tight ends makes all the sense in the world. Especially because Hayward I mean, he's under six feet tall and he's not anything like Gentry. I can't say this enough. Gentry and Hayward walk in the room. You would never think they play the same position. And in reality, they don't. One's going to be a movement behind the line of scrimmage player. One's going to be on the line of scrimmage as an inline Y Gentry. So before the Gentry signing, when I looked at the Steeler tight end targets in the draft, I concentrated on Mayer from North uh, Notre Dame, Washington from Georgia, the big inline guy that allows Friar to be more the move tight end, you know. So, but now maybe you do take a Kincaid who's just a great receiver, and, and that eliminates a lot of your slot receiver issues. So, I think this signing, and I am looking through it through a glass half full g- uh, analysis, which I assume they are too, or they wouldn't have made it. It allows you to take. Any style of these tight ends where I thought they might, you know, if there's a dozen really good tight ends in this class, which I think is about accurate, there were seven or so that were the inline replacements for Gentry, where now you might be open to taking any of the above. So I don't see it that way. I hope they don't see it that way that, oh, we're done at tight end. Um so that's my take on it i don't have a big problem with it it's not a massive investment it's not i think people are looking too much into it That well there's no chance they draft one or any of that stuff um because they're eliminating needs quickly and you're gonna have a pick where there's a, the best player on the board's a tight end you should be able to do it so i gotta take a little break here and then i have some cool tight end related stuff to talk to you guys about All right, I'm back. And Warren Sharp's one of my favorite follows, super analytical dude. He's got his own website, heavy into betting, all kinds of good stuff. Um, He wrote an article this past week for Fox Sports, I think it was. I just cut and pasted it. I can't remember. Someone on Twitter hooked me up with it. And the, the nature of his article are tight ends are vastly underpaid, are more important than ever. The smart teams are using tight ends more and more. And I agree with all that. Like, if you look at the franchise numbers or Kittle's contract or, you know, Kelsey's contract compared to wide receivers, it's nuts. But he cites a lot of recent trends in the NFL that it doesn't take much to figure out favors the tight end positions. But I didn't want to make this, you know, the data I stole from his article to be super tight end centric. I just wanted you guys to realize how the game is changing at a rapid rate. And these numbers might not seem rapid to you, but bear with me. I'm going to read a a portion of his article. So for years, NFL target depth, how far the quarterback throws the ball down the field, was relatively consistent. So from 2006 to 2012, the NFL averaged 8.5 air yards per pass attempt, was never higher than 8.65, never lower than 8.35. So that's a pretty small window for a stretch there. However, 2013 to 2017, it, it stayed consistent at roughly 8.3 yards per pass attempt, which was a little lower, obviously. But starting in 2018, target depth has slowly and consistently declined. So I'll show you the numbers here in a minute. But quarterbacks are throwing the ball shorter and shorter and shorter. Last year's target depth, this is across the entire league, of 7.7 yards was a full yard shorter than it was in 2011 and shortest in the modern passing era. That's something that, that's a big deal. With a decline in target depth, it might seem intuitive that quarterbacks are releasing the ball more quickly. But that isn't true. <laughs> you would think quick passing game. Everyone remembers Ben at the end, you know, that type of thing. Quarterbacks averaged, again, across the league, 2.66 seconds per attempt last year. That's the highest it's been in a decade. In 2014 to to 2017, time to throw was in the 2.5 second range. Tenth of a second is huge, by the way, folks. Only 25 attempts came after three seconds. Now, that has increased to 30% of attempts coming after three seconds. So, this is in large part... To how defenses have adjusted to slow down quarterbacks and prevent big plays in the passing game. I always tell you, no explosives, no explosives. The shift in defensive philosophy philosophy has been massive even over the last three years. Blitz rate, once up in the 29 to 39, 30% range from 2013 to 2015, are down to 25 to 26% the last two years. So they're down up almost 5% blitz rates from defenses bringing a fifth or extra pass rusher in 2020 man coverage was used 31.1% of the time that decreased to 27.5 in 2021 and down to 25.1 last year. So if these teams, yeah, everyone's talking about all, you know, how heavy a man coverage team are you the league on average last year played man 25% of the time, which is 6% lower than just three years ago. That's a big deal. So the rate of no blitz zone coverage, when you combine those two, has increased dramatically the last couple of years. In 2020, it was used just 52% of the time. That went up to 552 in 2021 and 566 last year. This is zone coverage, no blitz, four-man rush. Defenses are playing more too high shells. Again, that's to take away the big play, up from 34.5% in 2020 to 36.6, to 38.2 last year. So these highly correlated changes encourage quarterbacks to hold onto the ball, throw underneath more frequently, and target holes and zones, which is very, very, very tight end relevant. <laughs> you know, that's that's where the tight ends live. And it gives them a little extra time to break free. They're not going to break free on a quick slant like Michael Thomas used to. Used to. They're 255 pounds. I also think the one thing that's not mentioned here is we're having more and more athletic quarterbacks in the league that will hold the ball behind the line of scrimmage, run around a little bit more, skew a little bit some of those times to throw. And there's a lot less Bens and Brady's read it, boom, ball comes out. But that's where the league's going. you know. So I think this, again, doesn't have much to do with Gentry, but it does have a lot to do with how I started the show. I'm still very much in the market for a tight end. And I'm real curious to see how the draft falls, as all of us are, of course. But it would shock me to some degree. And I've told you many times, I think this will be a defensive heavy draft for the Steelers. That if there's if there's numerous opportunities to add a value tight end in the second round, third round, and they pass, I'll probably be critical. I mean, it depends who they pick, of course, and what approach they take. And we'll, of course, unravel that like crazy. But I thought this was really interesting and also correlated with the Gentry signing. Many of you have asked me, oh, does that mean they're not going to be interested in Washington or LaPorta or whomever? I hope not, is the bottom line. So thanks, everyone. Uh, I will get back to you as soon as possible. We've already got two podcasts in the week in the books, uh, three more to come, and it's only Sunday. So how about that? But we're out.